Real Golf Radio. It's a reround now on the team. Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. Brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen. Protecting the rights of you and your loved ones. It's a reround on Real Golf Radio. Welcome in to the Mountainland Supply Hour of Real Golf Radio. Mountainland Supply, your turf specialist with rainbird sprinklers, controllers, drip irrigation, and everything you need to irrigate your lawn like the pros. Go to mountainlandsupply.com. And oh, did I mention they also have everything you need for your holiday lighting, mountainlandsupply.com. And uh, we thank you for joining us here. Hour number three of the show. I'm Brian Taylor. He's Bob Casper. Dave Glauser, our producer. Thanks for joining us Saturday, 6 to 9, right here on 1280 The Zone. And, uh, uh, you can catch us all the way out into Wyoming. I was listening to The Zone the other day as awesome. I was headed out fishing. and uh, Yeah, be sure to tune us in how and take us along as you're out and about on your Saturday morning. We appreciate you being with us. You know, it's been a fun first two hours. If you're just waking up or just joining us, we took the time to dig back into the archives. Twelve years ago this November, we had a chance to visit with Ken Venturi, one of the legends in the game of golf. Uh, probably the closest amateur to winning the Masters. And, of course, legendary stuff winning the U.S. Open, near exhaustion, all of that type of thing. And his interaction with Eddie Lowry and with Hogan and Nelson and, you know, Francis we met and all of that type of stuff. Just really neat. And the book, The Match, written by Mark Frost, which is just really one of my favorite reads. And I would highly recommend it. This holiday season, you're going to have some downtime hanging out with the fam. Grab that book, curl up with a blanket when it's snowy outside and you can't play. Read that book. It'll take you back in time, give you some great appreciation for the uh, the golden days of golf and uh, and yesteryear. And, and as well mm-hmm. as, you know, the, the old amateurs. It's, it's just, it's a good read, great, some, some great history there, and you'll be thoroughly entertained. Yeah, it, it was a great book. It was great um, back then to be able to have Ken Venturi on and, and hear his uh, discussions about that and about the game and, and all that kind of thing. So it's uh, pretty good stuff. Part of the lore of our 20 years of doing Real Golf Radio, yep. we've been really privileged. We talked about, you, you heard the Byron Nelson interview, you know, about a month ago. We brought that out of the archives. Ken Venturi, I think about all the conversations we have through dad, Billy Casper, and, you know, just some neat stuff, you know, visiting with Arnold Palmer. Um, we've we had some really cool opportunities throughout the years to visit with some of these guys. And it's, you know, it's not lost on, on me as a young person you know, Bob grew up with these people, you know, this was part of your family. This was what you were about. And for me coming into it, uh, it's, it's been such a thrill to, to be able to take a peek into the past and gain an appreciation and a context for where the game of golf is today and how it got here and how our professional game has grown. Bob, one of the things we didn't even talk about on the first two hours is, you know, the, the amount of money these guys are making today. And yeah, it's and crazy. What was it? One of the articles broke down tiger per round, what he was making. Yeah. Yeah, Tiger Tiger per round of a, uh, of his professional golf. Um, if if you took all of the money he, that he's made over over his career, and you divided by the number of rounds of golf he's played, um, Tiger has made approximately ninety three thousand dollars per round of golf that he's played in his career. That's official tournament rounds, right? Not including yes. all the practice rounds That's and everything, correct. obviously. But That's yeah, correct. it's still ninety three grand just to just to put the peg in the ground. Yep. Um, that's pretty impressive. Of course, you know, the only reason why he won that money was because he played well, but uh nonetheless, it's that's impressive. You know, um nineteen eighty eight was the first year that anybody went over a million dollars in tour earnings in a year, and that was Curtis Strange in nineteen eighty eight. 
1997, Tiger Woods became the first to go over two million. And then in 1999, he broke the three, four and five and six million dollar barrier. And then a year, a year later. Wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me he hadn't he broke two million in 97 uh-huh. And the 98, he was going through the swing change, so he didn't yep. obviously get to 2 million. And then Correct. 99, he came out and went to 6 million. So it just blew he right past 3, 4, and 5. million. Dollars. Yep. <laughs> wow. And, and then a year later in 2000, he went to 9 million. So he broke 7, 8, and 9. So the guy, nobody had made more than a million dollars in a season until 1988. Nope. Right. Nobody had made 2 million until 97. And by the year 2000, yep. he hit 9. He hit nine million. Oh man! And then in 2004, VJ hit ten, and in 2015, Jordan Spieth set the all-time record right now on tour at twelve. And you think about it: last year, 112 players earned over a million dollars, um, and 13 players already for the year have crossed the million-dollar threshold in earnings. It's pretty crazy how money's escalated. And you know what? They all can thank Mr. Tiger Woods for yes, doing can. that. But, but you know, again, going before that, how about thanking the, you know, the Jack Nicholas's and the Arnold Palmer's and, sure. you know, all the way back, you know, back to Nelson and Hogan, right? I mean, this, that's what's cool about this, the book, The Match, the, ga- the day the game of golf changed forever. Back in the day, the golf pros were... They were the blue collar guys. They were working. They, you know, they, it was the amateurs when, that were yeah. the, you know, the businessmen. When they weren't playing on on the the tour, so to speak, they were head professionals at a golf club with memberships and teaching members and that kind of thing. Yeah, so, behind the yeah. counter or out teaching lessons, like you said, yeah. Yep. So it, it definitely has evolved, and we now being a professional golfer is quite the prestigious. In fact, being a professional, a, a PGA Tour caddy is quite the prestigious <laughs> yes, job these is. days, isn't it? Right? I mean, yes, it's, it it's pretty remarkable how things have changed, no doubt about it. Well, if you want a little insight into the, the past, if you will, uh, we're going to replay our interview with Ken Venturi. It is absolutely worth the listen, so stay tuned. That's coming up here momentarily. And just a reminder, Real Golf Radio is brought to you in part by Zions Bank. We haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Uh, we should mention from a local standpoint, Tony Finau competing down at Mayakoba as he continues to um, I guess along get ready. with Zach Blair and yeah. is Zach down there too? Thank you. Uh-huh. All right, sorry Zach, didn't mean to over, overlook you there. Zach and Tony rain plagued event down there, super soft for the first round, and uh, which took place on Friday, and then uh, you know Thursdays was washed out, so they have they have received a ton of rain. I think it was eight inches on Thursday. That's crazy. I mean, the, the bunkers looked like swimming pools. It was like an extension of the hotel pool out there with. Uh, <laughs> A little beach start pool there in the bunkers, but yeah. So yep. the, they've been working hard to get that thing ready, and they're supposed to um, they're supposed to have some pretty good weather for the weekend though to to finish it all up. But yeah, Tony, you know it doesn't surprise me. Tony just loves to play golf, and Zach obviously Zach Zach is a golf rat man. That guy will play anytime anywhere. But those guys that man, they're playing. Tony's got the Presidents Cup coming up, but he he wants to get out there and stay sharp. And I know he's excited as we talked to him last week about being on this team, and and he wants to be ready to to prove that he's he belongs, that he is that guy that Tiger should look to first when he's looking at captains picks. Well, you know, and the thing cool thing about Tony is Tony grew up playing all types of sports. He grew up playing basketball, team sports, and that kind of thing. And you know, uh, he he's often said that. That's what has helped him in this kind of team type of framework with, um, a, you know, a Ryder Cup or now he gets an opportunity to play a President's Cup. So, um, you know, it's an individual sport, um, but he enjoys the opportunity of the camaraderie with 
being with a team. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, well, listen, as we mentioned, we had an opportunity to uh, to talk to Ken Venturi. We're going to play that for you coming up. But first, we had a fun discussion with the caddy, and it kind of led into you know, a Golf Digest article or, or yeah, well, it's the Golf Digest rankings, but they also threw out on social media, what's the best state for golf? Now, of course, Bob, we would want to – throw out Utah, right? Uh, and I think yeah. we, we all and love golf. we've got golf. some great courses in Utah. We're underappreciated for sure as far as golf availability. The cost barrier is very low. Mm-hmm. The quality is very high. And this state is golf crazy. It, it's awesome. But when you look at it with a national ranking and you look at the history of the game and some of the top courses, we don't have any top 100 golf courses in Utah. No. We have one top 200 golf course in Utah. That's correct. And that's Glen Wild, just according mm. to the, the Digest rankings. So when you start looking at it, unfortunately, Utah is really not in the discussion for best states for golf. And the other reason is the weather. You factor in the weather. You factor in the, the golf history. You factor in tour stops. Utah doesn't make the cut for any of those to this point in time. That's correct. And the weather's not going to change. That's why we have the greatest snow on earth as well. But I think that's one of the beautiful things about living here is you can enjoy amazing golf all the way through November like we are now, but you could be skiing in a week from now up at Snowbird, for instance. Yep, yep. But when we start looking at at the best states, it really came down for us to New York and California. And both of those states have 13 top 100 golf courses. New York has three second 100 golf courses, or the top 200, if you will. And California has 10 in that second category. Mm Mm-hmm. You also have the history, the PGA of America, the PGA Tour, uh, excuse me, the USGA all started right there in New York, California. How about the PGA Tour visiting six times last year? So this is this is pretty good. You got courses in New York like Shinnecock, National, Fisher's Island, Wingfoot, Friars Head, you know, and then you could go on and on down the list of Oak Hill, Bethpage, Sabonic, Maidstone, Quaker Ridge, Westchester. In California, you got places like Cypress, Pebble, LA North, Riviera, Olympic. That's your starting five. So it really almost came down, Bob, when you look at Monterey Peninsula versus Long Island. And both are really, really special places for golf. Yeah, and Long, Long Island, of course, encompasses, uh, you know, that big strip of the island coming off of uh, coming off of Manhattan and, and New York and that kind of thing. And, you know, when you think about Monterey Peninsula, you think about Monterey Peninsula and you can you can go up to Pasa Tiempo and you can even go up into uh, to San Francisco. You know, uh, it, they talked about... Uh, Olympic Club, you know, Harding Park's right there. Uh, Lake Merced is right there. San Francisco um, Golf Club. San Francisco Golf Club. Um, so those two areas, Northern California and the Monterey Peninsula, San Francisco area, and Long Island are probably the preeminent areas of some really classic great golf courses. Yeah, no doubt about it. So at the end of the day, I think we gave, because of the weather, and I thought the caddy was pretty uh, – was pretty spot on too on on his reasoning. In fact, we'll we'll let you listen to that. But here's our discussion as to why we felt like California was the top state, the best state for golf. Here here's our conversation. There are bag rats, and then there are caddies, Baby. pro jocks who are legends in caddy shacks across the PGA Tour. While we can neither confirm nor deny the existence of this legendary looper, here he is. The Caddy on Real Golf Radio. That Caddy joins us weekly right here on the show. Caddy, how are you, man? Do you really want to know? Do you really want to know? I guess not. It's just a general greeting, you know. I just want you to say, yeah, I'm good, and move on. 
I've just enjoyed probably the best little breakfast biscuit I've ever had in my life. It was just perfection. <laughs> hey, you know what? If you can't enjoy yeah, the simple is. pleasures, what can you enjoy? That's what it's all about. Yeah. The simple stuff that matters. Yeah. So, so Caddy, we're talking about this uh, best states. We wanted to bring you in to help us uh, judge this. And you kind of heard the intro there. So we got New York, California, and Florida as our top three. Can you, what, what, who, should, who should round out the top four? Uh, I think you could make a strong case for Arizona, North Carolina, Illinois, uh, Pennsylvania, Georgia. I mean, what, what do you think? What, what do you like? I think all golfers are in a state of denial. That's what I think. <laughs> oh, my. We didn't in what even, way? We they didn't tee him up for that. Reality. Yeah. I'm going Alaska or Delaware. <laughs> Alaska or Delaware. So you're looking for that upset. You know, the, the sort of the Cinderella story in this playoff. The 16 kind of seed. Like, you know, biggest to smallest kind of a thing. Mm. Chaminade. Okay. All right. Well, so Hawaii wasn't in there. Hawaii, Hawaii wasn't in there at all, huh? We didn't list Hawaii. That's a, okay. Hey, look, we'll, we'll take write-ins right now. Sure. Well, all things considered, it's tough not to choose California. However, I have a caveat on that, and that is, as great as California golf is, the grass in New York is so much better. It's the purest grass to play golf on. If California had bent grass, it would be unbelievable, but it doesn't. So for me, ooh, that's a, it's, it's getting to be a tough one. It really is. You still haven't but rounded I, out I the top four, that, though. I need a fourth before we can keep debating fourth further. State. Oh, you need, you need four. Right. I okay. got three. I got Florida, New York, California. Who's the fourth? And then we can debate it from there. Well, let's see. I'm going to go with Illinois. I'm going to put mine in there. Seven of the yeah. top 100 golf courses. That's a pretty yep. strong top 100. Um, you know, we're talking yep. about uh, Butler National, Chicago Golf Club, Medina. Uh, you've got Olympia yep. Fields, Rich Harvest Farms, Conway Farms, Cog Hill. I mean, it just goes on. Yep. It, it's a pretty good, right? Right. I was thinking it's going to be Pennsylvania or New York between those two. Um, but I think we, I'm sorry, Pennsylvania or, or uh, Illinois. Okay. I think we have to go Illinois just because Pennsylvania's, I mean, all my, look, I'm from Pennsylvania originally. My whole family's from there. But Eastern Pennsylvania is where most of this is clustered. Of course, you've got Pittsburgh with Oakmont and Stockton Valley. I mean, Stockton Valley, that's an Eastern PA. Oakmont and some other courses, Pittsburgh, Oakland. But Laurel Laurel Valley is what you were thinking. Laurel Valley. Yeah, Laurel Valley. There you go. But um, I, it's just um, it's Pennsylvania, the bulk of it's too close to New York. It kind of almost melts into that East Coast area. So I'm going Illinois for the fourth state. All right. So we're, we're down to four. We, Bob, you agree? I agree. I, I was the one who uh, who brought up Illinois when we were discussing this and, and talking about it as far as the quality of golf and, and the courses there in the Chicago area and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think Illinois would be great for fourth. Not to mention your dad won the Western Open how many times? Four times. Okay, there we go. Uh, so uh, we got Illinois, Florida, New York, and California. We're going to see New York and California. In fact, we'll see California 1, New York 2, Florida 3, and Illinois 4. So let's start with the 
the the two three matchup of New York and Florida. Uh, give me what you got there. We got three top one hundred courses, nine top two hundred. It is the largest golf association in the country, three hundred thousand strong. Can you believe that, Caddy? That's impressive. They like their golf in Florida. Well, Florida is a has a lot of advantages with the weather. It's a big state. So is New York. But I'm going to have to say. <clears throat> These little town blues. (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying we're sticking with the chalk and New York defeats uh, in the 2-3 matchup. It's New York over Florida. Although look at this starting five. Seminole, Sawgrass, Calusa Pines, Streamsong, Jupiter Hills. I mean, you've got, plus not to mention all the Doral's and the Bay Hills and go on and on and on, right? I mean, uh, just some fantastic golf down there in Florida. There is some awesome golf down there, but the one thing that really... <clears throat> kind of eliminates Florida for me is uh, all the major championships they've played down there. Oh, there it is. See, and that's that was my contention all the way along is not only do you have to have uh, great golf courses and that kind of thing, but you need to have that history of major championships. So I go right along with you, Caddy. But you do have to throw the weather factor in, though. So weather definitely trumps... New York's weather, right? Because you can play year round. You can be hot, you can be sweltering hot and still play golf. You can't play golf when there's snow on the ground. So you, Florida does have an advantage for the weather. There's no doubt about it. But golf history. I mean, look, New York. We're talking about the USGA, the PGA of America. Golf was founded in the United States in New York State. So uh, I, I ultimately, I'm ruling with you. The committee's going with New York into the championship and they will face off against the winner of one and four California versus Illinois. All right. What you got, Bob, we'll start with you on that one. Well, I think, uh, um, in my opinion, it, I had said it that that Chicago area, the golf courses that were around there, um, are, are some phenomenal golf courses. We've seen major championships there as well, but you, you, California, it, it's tough to beat. You got to think about the Monterey peninsula um, you've got to think about San Diego, you know, LA, um, all those golf courses up and down the coast that, that are phenomenal. Pebble beach, uh, Cypress point, uh, LA North, Bel Air, uh, uh, Torrey pines. It, it's hard to beat all those golf courses and especially the major championships that have been played in the state. Caddy. Ouch. I just got poked. What, what is that? Oh, it's a longhorn. Oh, apparently the people in Texas are quite upset <laughs> to hardly even be mentioned in this discussion. I had ben Texas, Hogan, by the way, I had Texas Byron in there. Nelson. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Interestingly My enough, apologies. some of the, some of the best golfers do come from the state of Texas. However, yes, they, do. they don't necessarily have the best golf courses. I think only one or two in the top 100 on the rankings in Texas. Interestingly. Mm. Yeah, that's the issue, isn't it? But, I just had to do a little shout out, hook them horns. All right, I like that. I like it. All right, right, California or Illinois? Um, all the leaves are brown and the sky is gray. (laughs) Apparently, it's coming down to musical lyrics for the caddy. All right, uh, I agree with you. I'm not trying to sing. Just be glad I'm trying not to sing that one. The yeah. Mamas and the Papas. Yes. <laughs> that is. But it's California December the 24th. Dream. Yeah, I know. That's true. 
All right, so uh, we're California dreaming, and we've got uh, New York, New York. Uh, that's that's a pretty good one, too, there. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to beat California, right? I mean, you mentioned, you know, including Riviera, Olympic Club, some of the ones that, along yep. with what Bob mentioned, uh, top th- 13 of the top 100, 10 of the top 200, the weather, the fact that the PGA Tour was in California six times last year. I think all those factors puts California um, over the top of Illinois. So we're down to New York versus California, and this really comes down to history. History and tradition, and as Caddy said, some of the best grass to weather and just a, just an a, probably more top golf courses up and down the coast. And if you wanted to break it down, this really could come down to Long Island versus the Monterey Peninsula, and that's a fun debate too. Well, I don't know about Long Island versus the Monterey Peninsula. You, I mean, wow, that's really throwing stuff out right well i'm just but, saying even if you just broke it down to that yeah yeah well you could say everything else is equal now we have to decide it on long island versus the monterey peninsula i think you could probably go there all right so, so let's go there. yeah let's do it so what do you say monterey peninsula or long island man which one are we going? I said, let's go there. Which one are we going to first? One <laughs> you literally going? want to go there. That, that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Let's actually go there, and then we'll settle it after we've spent a couple of weeks on each, right? I, I like what you're thinking. I, I think so. I think so. I think we need to pick the, the six best courses on each, make a trip, um, kind of like a little listener raffle, bring someone along, that kind of thing, you know? So there you go. Uh, yeah, so let's break this down. So clearly – Year-round weather, Monterey Peninsula, hands down. Um, you can play every day on the Monterey Peninsula uh, versus Long Island. Long Island's about yeah seven-month season, maybe eight-month season at best. So, little little. You know, work, work with me here. No, I'm, I'm with you. The weather, you're right. The weather is definitely favors Monterey. How about quality of golf courses? I mean, let's let's just rattle them off real quick. Shinnecock, National, Fisher's Island, uh, Friars Head, Maidstone, Saponic. I mean, you're, you're talking Atlantic about Club. Atlantic. Uh, and then you go Cypress, Pebble, Spy, Poppy, uh, Monterey, uh, Peninsula Country Club. I mean, it's, boy, it's pretty stacked in there as well. So Long Island's going to win on the golf courses because they have more great golf courses than the Monterey Peninsula does. But the problem you have is how many people, if you isolated it to Long Island and you isolated it to the Monterey Peninsula, how many people would pick Pebble or Cypress as the one course they'd have to play if they had to play one more golf course Mm, versus, versus, say, Shinnecock or anything on Long Island? I think virtually everybody's going to say Cypress or Pebble, aren't they? I think they are. I think you're right. So that that sounds like so, a little bit of a trump card thrown down there at the end. The ace in the hole is Pebble and Cypress, right? Yeah, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to eliminate really what might be the best thing there is for a collection of you know more great golf courses, I think. So, and then you throw the weather factor in and, you know, you can play in Monterey all the time. It's not always nice, but it's not always nice on Long Island in the summer either. So I'm going, I'm going with California winning it. 
All right, that was uh, the caddy who joined us as we talked about the best states. And, uh, yeah, I think you got to give the nod to California, no doubt about it. The segment brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen, 801-222-2222, Siegfried and Jensen. More Real Golf continues next. Hi, this is Ned Siegfried. Siegfried and Jensen can help you if you've been injured in an accident. However, one thing we can't do is change the amount of your insurance coverage. You need to do that before an accident. By calling your insurance agent today, you can significantly raise your insurance limits for literally pennies a day. You'll be shocked to find out how little it costs to really protect yourself and your family. To learn more about this and other important elements of an accident, visit us at SiegfriedandJensen.com. This is Bob Casper for Barbecue Pit Stop. I'm a Traeger guy, and I got their Timberline 1300 from Barbecue Pit Stop. It comes with a Wi-Fi app where you can see and adjust your cooking temps while sitting on your couch or if you're out and about. My Timberline has 1,300 square inches of cooking space and the ability to cook up to 12 chickens, 15 racks of ribs, or 12 pork butts. I love my Traeger grill, and you can pick up yours today from Barbecue Pit Stop with locations in Lehigh, Salt Lake, Layton, or at barbecuepitstop.com. Introducing the Amazing Rewards for Business 321 program. With the Amazing Rewards for Business Visa credit card from Zions Bank, you earn three points for select business purchases, two points for travel, and one point for all other purchases. Learn more about the Amazing Rewards 321 program at ZionsBank.com or your local Zions Bank. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Subject to credit approval, terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. Zions Bank, a division of ZBNA member FDIC. This is Brian Taylor. There are things in your life that stand out as significant, game changers even. They impact everything else you do. I'm not overstating when I say my choice to have LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision was one of those. Growing up, I had good vision. I never wanted glasses. One day in college, I realized I couldn't see the whiteboard. Finally, I broke down. I got glasses and contacts, and I was introduced to the world of irritated and dry eyes, contact solution, broken glasses, you name it. Finally, I had LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision. This was a game changer. No more contacts, no more solution, no more glasses. Instantly, I could see. It was so easy, and it worked. My only regret was waiting so long. Hoops Vision is world-renowned, and with the latest technology, they give you more options than ever. Do yourself a favor. Go to HoopsVision.com right now and schedule your free consultation. And mention Real Golf Radio and save $1,000 off your LASIK procedure. Hoops Vision is your key to making sure nothing gets between you and your life focus it's one of those moments you'll always remember the first thing can teach young people how to hit a driver or how to stop a ball out of a bunker but true success is measured by how well they perform off the golf course by how well they use values like confidence perseverance and integrity in their daily lives the first thing helps young men and women become better golfers but even more important, better people. Get involved. Visit thefirsty.org. Temperatures are dropping, and you know what that means. Frozen pipes, busted sprinklers, and worse. Turn to the experts at Mountainland Supply to get you the right products for your yard. That will last this time. Mountainland Supply is an exclusive Rainbird Golf distributor in Utah. That means the golf pros and superintendents trust Mountainland Supply and Rainbird for their sprinklers, controllers, pipe, and everything they need to irrigate their golf courses. Shop where the pros shop. Go to mountainlandsupply.com to find the location nearest to you. 
Tee it up at Uinta Golf with the new arrivals from Cleveland Golf. Turbocharge your game with the new Cleveland Launcher HB Turbo Driver that delivers more speed for higher, longer, and straighter drives. And the Launcher HB Turbo Irons, which deliver maximum forgiveness, higher trajectory, and increased ball speed for more accurate and longer shots. And the Launcher UHX Irons deliver the perfect blend of distance and accuracy. Let us help you get custom fit for free today at Uinta Golf, home of the 90-day 100% satisfaction guarantee. It's a reround on Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. All right, welcome back to the show. Brian and Bob with you here in the Hoops Vision Studios. Hoops Vision, by the way, this is a great time. If you've got flexible spending that you need to take care of before the end of the year, book your LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision and mention Real Golf Radio. You can save $1,000 off your LASIK procedure. Do it today, hoopsvision.com. Can't say enough about those guys. You know, we had an opportunity to catch up with uh, Ken Venturi 12 years ago, 12 years ago on this show, we've been doing the show for 20 years. We had a chance to visit with Ken Venturi and ask him about the book, the match written by Mark Frost. It's a tremendous read and a really one of my, I think most special opportunities of the show to talk to Ken Venturi about that. And we played it in hour number two. If you missed it, we're going to replay it for you. Now here it is our conversation with Ken Venturi. And joining us right now, a winner of 14 PGA Tour events, including the 1964 U.S. Open. Longtime voice of CBS Golf, the legendary Ken Venturi, joining us here on Real Golf Radio. Mr. Venturi, thanks for joining us, and happy Thanksgiving. Well, thank you. One day after that, I'm still full from it, but it's great, Brian. Thank you. (laughs) Well, as it should be. um, Recently, we had Mark Frost on the show to talk about his new book, The Match, The Day the Game of Golf Changed Forever, which featured you as a central character paired with fellow amateur Harvey Ward playing a match at Cypress Point against Ben Hogan and Byron Nelson. First of all, tell me your uh, recollection of that day back in 1956. Well, it's, you know, it's going, it's, but it's over 50 years now, and Mark Frost did a magnificent job because he did the greatest game ever played in the Grand Slam. And But his research on, on Hogan and Nelson and Harvey was just phenomenal. And, and the match, I can, of course, uh, the sad part about it, I'm the only one alive in the whole book, I think, has, <laughs> has left there. But I can remember like it was just yesterday being at George Coleman's house, and, and uh, they asked us what we were going to do, and... And uh, I said, uh, we're going to play. He said, do you have a game? He said, well, no, but you want a game? I said, well, we'd like to play those two guys over there. And I was pointing to Nelson and Hogan. And uh, they thought, well, let, let's see let's see what we can do. Well, Coleman was a big, big investor in the Hogan company. When he asked a favor of Ben, it was hard for him to say no. Sure. So uh, he said, and, and the great part about it is that he asked Hogan, he said, to play with Byron, and he said, well, I'll play, but I don't think Byron would, and then Eddie Lowry asked Byron, he said, well, I would, but I don't think Hogan would, and he said, well, we can arrange it, so we played the match uh, on, this was a Monday night, and we played the match the next morning at 10 o'clock at Cypress Point. So tell us about Eddie. You, as as you mentioned, we know we know kind of about how he was depicted in the greatest game ever played, but what was Eddie really like? Well, Eddie was a great giver to, to the game, and he was, you know, he, because I owe a, a lot to him, because I worked for him be, before I went in the, the service after I got out of college, and and uh, then uh, then when I got out of the service, uh, uh, I ran Lake Merced Motors for him, and uh, he was, you know, he, Har- Harvey and I worked for him, but uh, he was, he was, uh, 
a very respected man uh, uh, anywhere he went, but mainly around the Bay Area. Ken Venturi joining us here on Real Golf Radio. It's pretty interesting when you talk about the day the game of golf changed forever. Speaking of the end of the celebrated amateur golfer, how do you think that's affected the game today uh, with, with sort of the end of that celebrated amateur? Well, you know, you, you talk about, you know, the eras. You know, you think about who is the greatest golfer that ever lived. Well, Hogan said it best. He said a champion in his era would be a champion in any era he lived in. You can't compare the players today against uh, like a Bobby Jones who played with Hickory Shafts, but the boys are getting out there much younger. They're they're not you know they a lot of them don't complete uh, complete college. There's no more drafts you know because I lost three years of my my playing ability because of being in the service. And uh, but so many things have changed when you think about it. You know like uh, when I turned pro. Uh, I missed three Ryder Cups because I had to wait, or we they had we had to wait five years before we could get points. Yeah, you turn pro tomorrow and you get points tomorrow, you know. Yeah. And then we had to wait six months before you you could collect money. But you think about the changes in the in the money today compared to what we played for in our day. But you know, I, I I'm I'm very prejudiced to it, uh, Brian Bob. I I. I I know they make a lot of money today in all sports, but I think I feel that I lived in the greatest era of all time. I mean, I'm not talking about golf. I'm talking sports in itself, entertainment, everybody. It was just uh, it was quite a time to live. You know, it's interesting. Everybody feels the same. And talking with my father, he feels the same about his era, um, of which of which he played in part of your era also. But you know, at at the time, that was you you were talking you were talking about money, but that was a huge money match in those days. Did you feel Did you feel pressure, um, or did you enjoy being put in the situation of playing against Hogan and Nelson? Oh, I I enjoyed it, but the the thing about it the, about the match and everything is that. I respected both of them because I was very fortunate that Nelson took me under his wing in 1952, and then I played a lot, of, a lot of golf with Hogan, and so I had the two best because Byron was a teacher. Hogan wasn't a teacher. You had to pick his brain. You had to ask him what's he feel or what's it do or what are you thinking about when he swings down. He would tell you what he was doing, but he couldn't correct you and say, you know, Ken, I think if you do this and this, Byron could do that. Yeah. So Byron was more of the teacher. Hogan was more just execution, and and you sort of had to try to just learn from watching him, huh? Well, we had, you know, he had the mental side of the game, and he, you know, I could pick his brain. He would, he would. Uh, in fact, this is some years back that you know he never did any interviews, and so Frank Chikinian, who was the director of the CBS and golf and everything, and and he wanted to to get to do to do an interview with Hogan, and uh, they went to ask Hogan, and he said, I'll do it for two things. He says, well, three things. He said, Frank Shakinian will do it. We'll do the the uh, taping. Ken Venturi will do the interview, and I don't want anybody else around uh, to be listening to us. And when I started asking, because I had a bunch of notes, and I looked down at the first question, I looked up at him, and I asked him the first question, his eyes went straight into mine, and he never left my eyes. I and I couldn't look down at my nose. I had to think, 
What was my next question? <laughs> he, he just froze on me, and I mean, it was something to see. Oh, wow. Uh, Ken Ventura is joining us here on Real Golf Radio, looking back at uh, uh, the match, the day of the game of golf changed forever, a new book by Mark Frost. And, uh, you know, you, you, they talk about in the book, and this is the neat thing for me. I'm only 33 years old, so obviously I'm looking at this and through my relationship with Bob and getting to know Billy Casper and, and looking back at some of the history of the game, it's a real treat to be able to, to read a book like this and, and be educated as well as entertained. But the, I thought it was an interesting story. I believe he shot 66 and beat Byron Nelson by two shots the first time you guys played, and, and then he reworked your entire swing. <laughs> what was that like, first of all, and then how was it working with Byron? <laughs> Byron was Byron was was. Uh, we played our first round uh, when I came back from Seattle after the National Amateur, and he said, "I'm just going to watch it today." And they said, "Then we'll play, and then we'll work on it when we get in." And uh, I proceeded to shoot. 66 at San Francisco Golf Club, and, and thinking to myself, you know, what can he show me? You know, I'm so good. I mean, really good. And so I couldn't wait any longer. We were inside. Well, I said, well, Mr. Nelson, what do you think? He said, Ken, that was a fine round. He said, I'm going to be in town for three more days. I'll meet you out here tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. He said, there's about seven or eight things we've got to work on. Wow. <laughs> and I said, oh, I should have remembered what my dad did with me one time when I was telling my dad how good I was. I'm the best. And I mean, I went on, my dad was just nodding, and I never forgot this, and he said, are you through? I said, yeah, Dad. He said, son, well, let me tell you something. When you're as good as you are, you can tell everybody, but when you get really good, son, they'll tell you. Oh. Wow. I, that was the last time I told anybody I was any good. <laughs> oh, that, that, you know, that's a great story, and, and what were some of the things that he wanted you, or that he, he wanted to work on with you? Well, the big thing was that, that, uh, that uh, he changed my... I had a strong right hand because I I never had I never had a professional lesson until I met Byron Nelson, and then he said my takeaway and then my balance and my change and my downswing and things like that, and uh, and to show you how it would change is that he said you must change your grip and the whole thing and I was getting ready to go down to uh, to the state amateur where I was defending champion and he says you can't revert back. This now you got to stay with it, or else you're going to go back and forth. That you want, I said, I promise you, I'll stay. And he says, you're going to, you know, but the main thing is your grip. And I said, well, I can do it. He says, I'm sure you can. And I said, well, how long you think it would take? So I'm thinking, you know, I can do it quickly. He says, as good as you are and what talent you have, he says, you can probably, without thinking about it, you can probably get over this in about a year. <laughs> what I said, and, and and it was true because you because you look at your grip. And you say, how's that? Fine, fine. Then you think, go ahead and hit it. And without thinking, your hand just drops back into the old grip. Sure. So you can understand and, I guess, uh, empathize a little bit of when Tiger goes through some swing changes in today's game, huh? Well, uh, the thing about it is, you know, that, that when you look at, at where, where he missed the cut at, at Wingfoot, that, uh, that uh, 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 the rough was so long and hitting it in the rough, because I think he hit, I think he hit, less than 10 fairways, 36 holes, he couldn't hit it on the green. He had to go back to the fairway. But Hogan has said it himself, if you want to think of a good shot maker, he wants narrow fairways, he wants hard greens, and he wants small greens, and the shot maker then will just tear you apart. 
Hey, Ken, talk about the rift between Byron and Ben Hogan. I, that was brought out a little bit in the book, which I, I didn't realize. Um, obviously, these are two guys who were caddies together at Glen Garden Country Club and uh, who shared the same, you know, similar status in, in society and circumstances and really grew together in the pro game and then sort of had a rift there when Byron started winning and, and Hogan couldn't quite get it done yet. Well, Hogan had to make the swing change that he had because he was tremendously hooked the ball tremendously and he had to make all the changes. But you got to remember that, that, that Brian and Bob, that, that they grew up in competition against each other, and they, the thing about it is not that they didn't like each other. They were completely different personalities. Come, I mean, heads and tails. That's how, bad, that's how different the two of them were. Interesting. Without telling us who won the match, because, we want, of course, we want people to read the book, but uh, what did everybody shoot that day? Uh, well... To sum it up, to what we did is that uh, Hogan shot 63, I shot 65, and Harvey and Byron shot 67. Wow. And between the four of us, we made 27 birdies and an eagle. <laughs> but the book, I'm telling you right now, I, I, he, Mark was great because I proofread it about three, four times and, and made not big corrections of, of background, but, but certain holes of the match and and. and certain things in conversations that we had. But but the thing about it is that I've said it, and, of course, I've done it, in fact, I've gone through it again, is that it's a, it's a book that I have found that, of all the books that I've read, this book, when you pick it up and you start it, you really can't put it down. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it had me mesmerized for a couple of days. I, I don't read a ton of books, to be honest with you, but I couldn't put this one down. It was very good. Hey, talk about Harvey Ward, and, and then you're, you're right along with Harvey in, in this book as well as, as characters. I mean, not just golfers, not just great players, but, but characters that, that, you know, and, and then the whole clam bake scene seemed to be full of characters back in the day. It seems like that's been lost a little bit, more, more sort of robots in today's games. So and, and maybe that's because there's so much money out there and it's such a big business. Well, you think about the, with the equipment and the golf ball and everything years ago, is that is that uh, golf swings were like fingerprints. There were no two alike. There's so much, there's so much alike today. But you have the the teaching gurus. You know they've got all the great teachers uh, of today. But you look at the five best known teachers. Uh, they've never they've never won a tournament. The thing about it is that when Nelson or Hogan said something. They've been there, and he says, when you get down to the last few holes, here's what you have to do. This is what you have to think about. This. They've been there, and, and it's like uh, when they talked, you listened. But, but the thing about it is that today they're more, they're more mechanical. They don't play well the golf ball to the conditions of the golf course. We played a lot of, of different shots, and today they, they mostly all look alike. In fact, we never, I can't remember any time that, that, that we ever could spin the ball like these guys can spin it back off the green and stuff. We never did that. Hmm. You know, the other part of that, too, and talking about the the way this changed is uh, the fact that the pros had to work so hard. The state of the pro game uh, and the amateur game were, were, were vastly different at the time, and, and you were choosing. I mean, you had a better uh, life, essentially, to, to be an amateur at the time and work for uh, Eddie on the car, as, in, in a car salesman role uh, versus uh, what the pros were doing trying to make a living out there. Do you think that changes the amount of champions or the heart or the character that, that, that because maybe it comes a little too easy for today's pros? It's changed. It has changed amateur golf. There, there were, when we were, when we had the, uh, 
when I was on the Walker Cup in 53, we made a challenge to the Ryder Cup team, and they wouldn't try us because we I swear we could whip them good because <laughs> because there was no money. But you look at you know you you look at Charlie Cole, who was a great amateur. He was in the oil business. You go Hyman was in insurance and all this stuff. There was no money in in the game, so more people stayed amateur. But today, there's so much money. These kids don't don't think about it. They turn pro. They did an article about me in 1958. In 1958, they did an article about it in me in Chicago. In 1958, I won four tournaments and finished in the top ten 15 times, and made forty nine thousand five hundred dollars. Mm. They did a they did a comparable tournaments of today. Mm-hmm. It's and of what I would have done in the tournament that I played, and it was well over six million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> but it's... you know, I mean, I mean, you think of the amount of tournaments that Bob, that your dad won. Sure. I mean, you know, he's not even he's not even up there with the leading money winners. You know, I mean, there's no such thing. I mean, it, there ought to be an asterisk there. There was no money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you talked a few minutes ago about about the era and how you enjoy playing in your era and and uh, you know the entertainment values and that type of thing and everything that went along with that. Are you happy with where golf is today? Well, you know where where we were playing, we had about you know looked at about eight or ten guys we had to beat. Now you're looking at eighty or ninety guys you have to meet. It's it's changed. I just wish that they would uh, you know have the respect that we were taught of the game and for you know. To give back, because as I asked Byron Nelson, how could I ever repay you for everything you've done for me? And he, and he said, be good to the game, Ken, and give back. And I tried to live by those things. And 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 uh, I was taught by, you know, I, we saw we saw some some great great players. And I got to be friends with you know, Gene Saracen, who I knew very well, and friends with Bobby Jones. And in fact, when I won the Open, Francis, we met was my broker. I mean, those are all the things that. You know, you think about things that can change. Like, if I had won the Masters as an amateur, there wouldn't have been television. There probably wouldn't have been an Open. I would have been Billy Ford is going to take me back there to work for him and do all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I wouldn't trade anything for what I am today. If I had to choose to be anybody, I'd choose to be me. And there was a great line that Jack Whitaker said about me when he talked about me, which I I think sums up at, that everything that... If things were different, but he said that that fate has a way of bending the twig and fashion a man to his better instincts. And if some things were changed, it wouldn't be like it is today. And I like just where I am today. I wish I think about it often. I was with CBS for 35 years. Luckily, I was hired by Frank Jackinian. But my my tour career only lasted ten and a half years. And the one thing I always think about that I would think about, other than anything, is I wonder what I could have done. If I'd stayed healthy and not lost the use of my hands, because I was knocked down at the very peak of my career. Mm. Absolutely, Ken Venturi joining us here on Real Golf Radio. And quickly before we let you go, uh, your thoughts uh, spending so much time, obviously with CBS, uh, runner-up at the Masters as an amateur. Uh, what's your thoughts uh, on the Masters and uh, and where it is today, and some of your fondest uh, memories of Augusta National? Oh, I've got so many. I- I played like in the 16 Masters, and I did. You know, I went with CBS in '68 and was doing that. Uh, you know, I I coined the phrase, which has always been, is that is the Masters begins on Sunday on the back nine, and, mm-hmm. and that's where all there are so many. Augusta has two different faces. 
it's not a tough golf course in practice rounds, but when you start getting into trying to win the Masters in the back nine, there are so many choices that you have to make. But, but again, that, that my thought that I, I've, I've had discussions with them, uh, a, a short, accurate golfer is not going to win there. You have to be long, and they have to come up with, like the rough they had at Wingfoot, to, to now make it, you know, that when you hit it in the rough, you, or, because it's probably, Augusta is probably the widest fairways that we, that they play all year long, and, and length is really, they're making it longer each year, but they're playing into the hands of the long hitter. Well, Mr. Venturi, we really appreciate you taking some time to join us today. Great insights. It was neat learning more about you and your uh, career as an amateur and a professional in this book, and uh, we uh, hopefully uh, be able to sit down and chat with you again, and we wish you the best. Well, thank you, Brian and Bob. And, and Bob, uh, uh, give your dad my best, and uh, I'll tell you what, if I had to say one thing, he was probably, to me, I think he's probably the greatest, most underrated best player that the game has ever known. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right, there you go. That was some special stuff. Ken Venturi, 12 years ago, this Thanksgiving. Really, really neat, and uh, we sure miss these old guys that uh, are part of the legend of the game of golf. By the way, Real Golf Radio brought to you in part by Zions Bank. We haven't forgotten who keeps us in business, and by Uinta Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971. Home of the 100% 90-day satisfaction guarantee. More Real Golf continues next. Hi, it's Ned Siegfried. Siegfried & Jensen has been around a long time. We've been handling injury cases for over 30 years. During this time, Siegfried & Jensen has had the privilege of helping tens of thousands of Utahns. If you've had the misfortune of being injured in an accident, we'd love to help you as well. To talk to us for free about your situation, call us at 801-222-2222 or visit us at SiegfriedJensen.com. You might know Mountainland Supply for its turf irrigation products and design services, but did you know that Mountainland Supply also carries holiday lighting? As the temperatures drop and the clubs go in the closet and your spouse says, it's time to get the holiday lights up, think Mountainland Supply. They can help you design and calculate the exact feet of strands that you need to make your home sparkle this year. Using smartphone technology, you can control thousands and thousands of color options with the push of a button. For all your holiday lighting, go to mountainlandsupply.com to find the location nearest you. Introducing the Amazing Rewards for Business 321 program. With the Amazing Rewards for Business Visa credit card from Zions Bank, you earn three points for select business purchases, two points for travel, and one point for all other purchases. Learn more about the Amazing Rewards 321 program at ZionsBank.com or your local Zions Bank. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Subject to credit approval, terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. Zions Bank, a division of ZBNA member FDIC. This is Brian Taylor. There are things in your life that stand out as significant, game changers even. They impact everything else you do. I'm not overstating when I say my choice to have LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision was one of those. Growing up, I had good vision. I never wanted glasses. One day in college, I realized I couldn't see the whiteboard. Finally, I broke down. I got glasses and contacts, and I was introduced to the world of irritated and dry eyes, contact solution, broken glasses, you name it. Finally, I had LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision. This was a game changer. No more contacts, no more solution, no more glasses. Instantly, I could see. It was so easy, and it worked. My only regret was waiting so long. Hoops Vision is world-renowned, and with the latest technology, they give you 
you more options than ever. Do yourself a favor. Go to hoopsvision.com right now and schedule your free consultation. And mention Real Golf Radio and save $1,000 off your LASIK procedure. Hoops Vision is your key to making sure nothing gets between you and your life focus. It's one of those moments you'll always remember. Hi, fellow sports fans. It's Ned Siegfried. What would we do without sports? Following our favorite sports teams, whether it be the Jazz or the Utes or the Cougs, takes our mind off the many challenges in life. Accidents and their resulting injuries are certainly unexpected challenges that many people are forced to deal with. If you're one of these people, we'd love to talk to you about your situation. Call us at 801-222-2222. We'll talk to you for free. Or visit us at SiegfriedandJensen.com. Hey guys, BT here, and Bob and I are two happy customers of Barbecue Pit Stop. I'm absolutely in love with my new Yoder YS640S. This is the most versatile smoker grill I've ever used, and its Wi-Fi makes it a cinch. I feel like a barbecue pit master. Hey, whatever you need from grills and smokers to rubs and sauces, Barbecue Pit Stop has it for you in one of their three locations, Lehigh, Salt Lake, or Layton, or online at barbecuepitstop.com. Tee it up at Uinta Golf with the new fall arrivals from Mizuno. Discover layers of feel with the new MP20 range. The MP20 is the ultimate muscle back. The MP20 MMC uses multi-material construction for legendary feel and performance. And the MP20 HMB is a playable set of hollow, tungsten-enhanced irons for many skill levels. Let us help you get custom fit for free today. Uinta Golf, home of the 90-day 100% satisfaction guarantee. It's a reround on Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. All right, welcome back to the Mountainland Supply Hour of Real Golf Radio. Go to mountainlandsupply.com. They've got everything you need for your holiday lighting at mountainlandsupply.com to find a location nearest you. And uh, we appreciate you joining us. The show brought to you in part also by the Barbecue Pit Stop. Bob, I have been going crazy on the ribs lately. This weekend, I am going simple. I'm doing burgers. And, you know, I think this is something worth mentioning because a lot of people say, well, if I get the smoker, does that mean I can't grill anymore? Does that mean I can't throw burgers on anymore? Let me tell you what. You want the best burgers you've ever tasted? Put them on a smoker. Yep. Uh, Yeah, put put them on a pellet grill. and You get that uh, infusion of of, uh, the wood pellets and the smoke and... It just makes everything taste so much better. And you can still crank them up. I know for my Yoder YS640, you can crank that sucker up to 650 degrees. You also have the option to throw the grill grates on, remove the little hatch that covers up the fire pot, and you can Mm -hmm. actually get some direct flame grilling if you want to get the real good sear marks on there. So really great versatility. They got everything you need at Barbecue Pit Stop. Go online to barbecuepitstop.com or stop into one of their three locations in Lehigh, Salt Lake, or Layton and get your barbecue. Barbecue Pit Stop on for this upcoming Thanksgiving. All right, uh, we had a chance to kind of, I guess, think about some stories and relive some experiences and some old Hogan stories and such with the caddy following our interviews uh, that we replayed of Ken Venturi. Here's what we got time for. Caddies uh, like to, to say that I think the greatest caddy photograph ever is the famous one of Eddie Lowry and uh, Francis, we met after the win in Brookline, the U.S. Open, when they're celebrating with the crowd. And Eddie is front and center in this photo with everybody around him holding the bag. And in the very top, far background of the po- photo, you can just see we met 
poking his head and smiling. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be the best caddy photo ever. Hey, you know, well, Francis did some of it too. <laughs> he did his part. Yeah. No yes. <laughs> they always do, don't they, Bob? The players always do their part. Yes, they do. <laughs> and take good in, and, and hopefully take good instruction from the caddies. All right, that'll do it for us. Thanks to all of our great sponsors, Hoops Vision. Again, don't forget your flexible spending. Get it done. Go to hoopsvision.com and get LASIK surgery today and mention Real Golf Radio and save $1,000 off your LASIK procedure from our good friends at Hoops Vision. Certainly appreciate Mountainland Supply for sponsoring this hour. They've got all your holiday lighting available. Go to mountainlandsupply.com as well as our great sponsors in Siegfried and Jensen. You went to golf and Zion's Bank. All right, uh, that'll do it for us. For Dave Glazer, our producer, for Bob Casper, I'm Brian Taylor. Tune in every Saturday morning, 6 to 9, and we'll see you next week right here on Real Golf Radio. Thanks for listening to Brian and Bob on Real Golf Radio. Join us on Twitter at Real Golf or on our website at realgolfradio.com. It's been real. 